Cloud leadership content has become such a buzzword. Now, Brooklyn Nash, founder of Beam Content, believes it should be a key piece of any content strategy. Rather than cloud leadership, he calls it expert-driven content because it leverages the wisdom of industry and company experts to create truly impactful content. In this Marketing Pops episode, you learn first the essence of expert-driven content, second, the role of cross-departmental collaboration in content creation, third, the future of AI in content creation, and fourth, impact of optimistic ignorance in Brooklyn's career. Before I start, I've created a free power-up cheat sheet. You can download, fill in, and apply Brooklyn's expert-driven content strategy. You can find that at marketingpowerups.com or find the link in the description and show notes. You ready? Let's go. Marketing power-ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Bradley John. When we were chatting, when you shared like what you wanted to talk about, you were saying like, hey, you know, instead of calling it top leadership content, we should talk about it being expert driven uh, content. And I feel like that kind of clarifies a lot of things about it. Because when people think about top leaders, they think about, I'm not sure, Mr. Beast <laughs> or something yeah. else. But like, I'm curious, like why that resonates with marketers, with, with you more than expert driven content more than like thought leadership content. I think because thought leadership is a buzzword at this point that's kind of lost mm. its meaning in a couple of ways. Number one, people throw stuff out there and call it thought leadership when it doesn't really have any business being thought leadership. It's not in depth. It's not adding a new yeah. insight or perspective. Yeah. It's just kind of regurgitating stuff, right? Um, like just because it's on Forbes doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> it, like it can, you, you can bad. pay it's your like way be- onto the uh, Forbes Council. <laughs> it's like a seven hundred word article that adds nothing to the conversation, right? right? Yeah, not, that's not to say there aren't there isn't Forbes just content that's great. Yeah. It's just yeah, not exclusively so. Anyway, so that's one side of it. Calling it thought leadership doesn't make it thought leadership, and I think the other side is. People hear thought leadership and all of a sudden think at the five to 10,000 foot level. Like it has to mm. be this broad, overarching view of the industry space, this category, this is what we're changing. Yeah. This is what's different. And that does, that's not necessarily the case, you know? You can, you could share a firsthand account of how you used. AI in your spreadsheets to speed up financial forecasting by 5x. And if it's unique and nobody's written on that and given that detailed of a guide, that's thought leadership because you're putting something new into the world, right? So I think of thought leadership as taking somebody's actual experience with something, whether they're a product person or a marketer or CFO, and packaging it up into content that people can consume. And I feel like that's why... Um, expert driven is such a much better word the more I think about it which I'm going to start using that term you should coin it and you get the domain and start selling okay, courses okay. about it <laughs> I'm going to go I'm going to tell our team that because we've literally had conversations this last month where we're like I, we, we like our copy and our positioning but right. we're like we need a phrase man and yeah, we're right, trying dude. out expert driven content so the fact that it landed with you is great yes because like it kind of challenges, yeah, what you just mentioned. And like people are tired of like being a thought leader versus like expert driven. It's driven by experts. 
And I, mm-hmm. I feel like you talking just about this kind of really like emphasizes um, what kind of content we need to be creating more in the future, especially with AI. I feel like yeah. those experiences is something that AI can't have un- unless has it starts becoming aware of itself. You know, like this is not, this is a personal experience from somebody. And, uh, you know, AI can write up those Forbes articles <laughs> or, or that right. is like fluff. But is that, mm-hmm. is that what, I, what I'm hearing here? Is like, th- I feel like this is going to be more prominent going forward as like you see more AI content, this driven content. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about that in terms of social. PR, SEO content, like those are the areas that I think are going to be impacted the most, the fastest. That's not to knock anybody who works on SEO because there are still excellent ways you can do it. That's not something that ChatGPT can replicate. But let's be honest, that's the small minority of cases. Most of the time it's pumping out content for the sake of getting it up there and ranking. And that's something that generative AI is really close to being able to replicate if, if it's mm. already. Whereas where if you're starting with an interview with your CFO or your engineer or your head of HR, they have unique insights that you're not going to mm. be able to crawl on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once again, like we are talking about future, like maybe there's a world where AI interviews you know, to be the CFO, which which yeah. is scary, is scary, but on its own, like like coming up with the question and the framework and the strategy and like pulling out the best gems out of people is not um, in the near. I don't know. I keep saying near future, but like, what if quantum computing hits <laughs> that it can interview people? But yeah. still, at this moment, like it is not something that generative AI yeah, can can do. It's like those, yeah. that pulling out those those insights is so important. To make something yeah. unique. Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't want to be the like grumpy old man on his lawn saying that AI will never replace us. Like I understand it's accelerating quickly. Right. But I think we're at least a few years away from mm-hmm. AI being able to replicate that connection and, and digging into that specific piece of what somebody said and circling back to a certain thing that goes on in interviews right that makes that makes sense in terms of like what it what this looks like your team has probably been creating um you know more more and more expert driven content is that is that correct like you would say that that's been like the focus um lately like what does that what does that look like like do you you mentioned interviewing internal subject subject matter experts and leadership teams um maybe interviewing customers like but like how does that that how do you create expert driven content essentially? Yeah, yeah, it's the whole reason we started Beam. We when we launched last year, we said we're not doing SEO content. This is mm, exclusively the type of content we're doing. Yeah. Um, the one exception is case studies, which is still interview driven, but a little more established in in content marketing, right? So yeah. we. Yeah, we the way we talk about it with potential clients and with our our current clients is we can start with interviews with with conversations or with data, which is a whole separate piece. But we'll also work with platform data or survey data for the expert driven content. It 
I think the more conversations I've had, the more I've realized that it's kind of a matter of walking folks through what's possible and what resources they have available to them. I think content marketing has been in such a silo for so long that it's like, this is how we work and this is what we work on and we work on the content and then get it over to demand gen to distribute or to sales enablement or whatever. But it needs to be this reciprocal process where you're involving sales and customer success and enablement and demand gen and product and product marketing and the leadership team in the input process so yeah. that your content is all that more much more informed and then the tail yeah. end of that is if you're creating the type of content that is going to resonate with the rest of the team and with your audience the rest of the org is going to be a lot more excited about about it and be more bought in, right? Versus thinking, oh, content is doing its thing over here. Demand mm -hmm. gen is creating yeah. these assets. Yeah. Product marketing is focused on this. Sales has its own thing going on. It just ties everything together, right? Like Which kind of got off your original question, but we, yeah, we'll no, start with sense. internal, yeah. yeah, like internal SMEs. Which can be anybody, honestly. Like if you're selling to engineers, let's start with the engineering team. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to come yeah. from the CPO or CTO. If you're selling into HR, if you're selling HR tech, let's start with the people team. HR, yeah, yeah. Um, often we'll try to bring in the leadership team to bring that conceptual level. And then it's not just internal. We'll talk to customers and try to turn those conversations into not a typical, here's the problem, here's the solution, here's the outcome case study, but more yeah. of like a playbook. Like here's what mm, this customer did. did that was really unique yeah. and really smart. Like, and by the way, like our product was in the background or the foundation yeah. of it, but we're not the star. They're the star. Mm. Others are platform partners that often make sense to work together on content. And then if all else fails, or not even if all else fails, often it makes sense to bring external folks in, those who already yeah. are, I'm going back to thought leadership, going, who already are thought leaders in their yeah. space and bringing them in so that you kind of have that authority built in from the get-go. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. I like how you're, you're like, you're figuring out exactly what, who, you know, talking to different people inside first and like, if it's an HR, talk to the people team. Do you come in with a concept already, like a topic or it's just like, it's blank page. I just want to talk to you. I want to hear your problems. Uh, I want to understand exactly like the, what kind of challenges your target audience when you're talking to those internal subject matter experts, or you already have like blog outline and a brief and things like that, which might not might make sense or might not. Yeah. So it's, it's both and in different stages. So there's kind of three stages. Well, number mm -hmm. one, when we're kicking off with a brand new project, we'll spend the first month talking to as many people as we can essentially internally. And that's kind of when yeah. it's a blank page. We come with questions, but they're very open-ended questions. Exactly what you're saying. Like, what problems are you seeing? What do you see people get excited about? What questions aren't resolved? Things like that with, and if we're able to talk with the product team, PMMs, customer success, demand gen, and leadership, we get a very full picture of yeah their audience and kind of their gaps in content. And then we use that to turn around. Okay, here's the three or four themes mm. we recommend covering over the course of this year. And here's the specific topics that roll right. up to those themes. And then it's just a matter of mix and match. Like, hey, this topic, we have this internal data person that would be great to talk to. Oh, this mm. topic, 
somebody in our VC has a connection with somebody, let's go talk to that person. And it's just kind of this game of mix and match once we have the topics. Yeah. Um, sometimes it goes the other way where it's just talking to a person and pulling out what the main theme is. Like with one, we have a board management software client and it was essentially just talking to them about like what matters most to them as being part of a board and the theme kind of naturally emerged. Like when we talked to Sam Jacobs, it was so focused on prepping for the board meeting because every mm. founder gets super stressed out or CRO gets super stressed out about board meetings. So we just narrowed it in there. But usually it's, here's the topic, here's our specific questions we want to get into and then pick your brain on, although we avoid using that phrase, uh, <laughs> and come to the call with that. And then it just makes it so much more productive. That makes sense. I, I love like how you're doing uh, discovery phase first. We're like, okay, we just want to learn as much as possible. What are the problems? What are the challenges? How how is your solution better than the competitors? Like, mm -hmm. what are some you know things that you might have in this in this space? And then before creating those teams, uh, and then those teams, I'm guessing are, are around. Do you base it around the problems that you've heard or solutions, or it could be maybe a mix or a mix a mix and match? Like, how do you? I guess, like, how do you figure out the the overarching theme that would make sense uh, for client? Yeah, it's kind of a mix. Often it's tied to pain points, which is mm. not yeah. unique. And I know lots of great content folks do that. Um, we'll often kind of try to uncover what goals are for the upcoming year or two. Um, that makes sense. Like if they're yeah. moving up market, do they want to start talking to the CIO instead of, the manager level so that kind of adjusts what we're talking about and how we're talking about it uh, and then we'll also get into individual team goals like demand gen what is the gap what assets do you need to put out yeah. better paid social campaigns and drive and capture that demand right or are you more in brand awareness right now and you just want to make your voice known on this particular topic and what your stance is so just digging into that across the teams and then ideally narrowing those down to no more than four themes that we can kind of mm. beat that same drum from a lot of yeah. different angles. I love, once again, I love this whole process because you say, hey, like, the teams get this, but like, I'm surprised that they don't do enough of this, just like finding and talking internally uh, and like highlighting like the expertise that people have within internally already. Uh, and then you're figuring out their goals. Like how can content team help out demand gen or sales enablement or another thing? And you're really like trying to figure out like what are, how you're essentially, they're, they're the content team's customer <laughs> in some, in some sense, right? You're helping yeah. them do their job better essentially yeah. with that is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And vice versa. That goes both ways, you know, mm. by talking to them you can make better content and by creating better yeah. content that makes their job better and easier. I feel like the other benefit to this approach is that it opens up that, that wall. I feel like sometimes, especially with remote teams, uh, the content team might have never have ever talked to somebody from CS or from sales or from engineering in mm. this way. Like now the doors open and if they hear of an idea, they can be they there's already the the relationship built up where like you know hey Ramley or hey Brooklyn like 
wouldn't it be cool this idea and like that kind of like I guess getting input more is actually conducive of creativity and innovation would you say mm-hmm. yeah definitely it's like again like kind of like breaks down that silo so that you're not mm-hmm. just beating your head against the wall trying to think of things in a vacuum you're you can kind of constantly get new ideas based off of those conversations and often from one conversation we'll get another conversation or two yeah. more conversation it just kind right. of snowballs creative okay. snowball before i continue i want to take the sponsor for this episode 42 agency now when you're in scale up growth mode and you have to hit your kpis the pressure is on to deliver demos and signups and it's a lot to handle there's demand gen email sequences RevOps, and more and that's where 42 agency founded by my good friend camille rexton can help you they're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWall, Teamwork, Sprout Social, and HubDoc to build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing growth problems today and help you build the foundations for the future, look no further. Visit 42agency.com to talk to a strategist right now to learn how you can build a high-efficiency revenue engine. Thank you also to the sponsor for this episode, Copy.ai. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you rather cut grass with a pair of scissors or lawnmower? Now, the answer is pretty clear, right? With the right tool or partner, you can turn tedious, repetitive, and boring tasks from hours to minutes. When it comes to on-brand content and copy, that's Copy.ai for you. Marketers from companies like Zoom, Okta, and SurveyMonkey trusted to produce high-converting copy for the campaigns with just a few clicks. Copy.ai team has created some of the best AI-powered marketing templates for ads, scripts, podcast outlines, email marketing campaigns, content marketing plans, and more. You can go to Copy.ai to get those free marketing templates right now or find it in the show notes and description. Well, let's get back to this episode. Yeah, that's uh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Have you ever had a situation in uh, where like somebody's goal kind of conflicts with another goal, where like demand gen is like we need more leads, and then the the brand is like no, we need to focus on building up our awareness and like do more, uh, like you know, like I'm not sure. I'm curious, like if you you your your team has ever been in a situation where you've talked to different teams and they all say, hey, focus on this Brooklyn. <laughs> Focus on this, and they're like different, almost entirely different things. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We try to uncover that in the discovery process. I mean, before starting the project, the actual Mm. sales discovery process, and make sure there's buy-in from leadership to Mm. demand gen to whoever our main point of contact is. So, ideally, we're not running into that extreme of Mm. a case, Um, but it does happen where. Like Demandian obviously has one, not one goal, but they have a very different goal than brand, yeah. which yeah. is a very different goal than customer success. And I think the w- way the way we explain it and the way we try to work through it, and hopefully this doesn't sound like blasé or cliche or something, but we really do try to create the kind of content that can be just as helpful for customer marketing as it is for lead generation. I like that. Yeah. Like if you're talking about a specific use case or a new idea for integrating different tools, like that can be really exciting for capturing demand, especially in retargeting if they're aware and they're in the education stage, right? But it can also be really helpful for customer marketing because you're sending out resources and increasing the chance of upsell and renewal because you're showing them what's possible with the tool that they're currently using, right? 
And then same for sales, kind of in the middle. If they have more resources to share out with prospects, the better. I will say, though, the first thing I thought of, it's been a while, but a couple of years ago going through this process, it was, we don't work directly with founders as much anymore, but it was two co-founders and we got on separate calls with them and asked very similar questions and they gave very different answers. <laughs> Are you guys co-founders even? Yeah. Do you, so talk, do you talk to each other? It was like, is, yeah. I mean, hopefully it was like a value add because we just, in the recap, we said, hey, listen, Steve said this and Frank said this. They sound yeah. very different to us. So can we get into that? Like, what are we actually saying? Mm. So it uncovered something for them that I don't think they were even aware of. Yeah, that makes mm. a type of sense. Mm. It, it, that's crazy. That's I, I wouldn't. It, you're, you're, it's interesting why you, you mentioned that. I actually talked to Brendan Hufford as well, where he mentioned right. he, like he doesn't work with, he doesn't work with founders anymore. Mm. <laughs> it's like you mentioned something, you just mentioned something similar now. I'm curious, maybe it's because they want everything all at once <laughs> now, or like they, they don't really know what they want. I'm curious what the reasoning is for like not uh, working directly with founders versus like you have more of a fleshed out team. Each of the teams know what they need and what they want. They have KPIs versus founder. Yeah. They want all the KPIs to move up to the right, which, you know, that's not always possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, I think it's because we don't consider ourselves a full service agency. I mean, there's a lot we don't do. We focus on the handful of things that we think we're really good at. And when you're that early stage, it's not because we don't like working with founders or don't want to work with founders. It's because if you're at that early stage, you kind of need a little bit of everything to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And we, you know, we don't do SEO. We do social content, but not social management. We don't do email marketing. We don't do copywriting. So more and more, I'm finding myself referring those earlier stage companies out to either consultants who can be that jack of all trades and figure yeah. out the right way to divide and conquer or SEO agencies, because I'm like, look, we don't work on SEO. I recognize it is really important, especially at your price point. Like if you're self-service and you're at $80 a month, SEO makes a lot more sense than if you're, you know, doing six figure deals with a CIO. So there's like a, a specific type of project that we work on. And I just don't want us to overpromise something that is really not our specialty. That makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. Um, I, in, in founders can be sometimes uh, fickle where um, I'm overgeneralizing it, but I work with founders where you know, they see something cool next and be like, let's do that. <laughs> they find like, oh, let's do more AI or I'm not entirely sure. But like at least like in this in this case, you're, you have an uh, approach, you have like some people that they have KPIs, they, they're working towards essentially. Yeah, avoiding that shiny object syndrome. Like we're looking to work with teams. Our ideal is, you know, either head of product marketing or head of content marketing, whether it's VP or director, it doesn't really matter. Just somebody who's enabled and equipped to set the strategy for at least the quarter, if not the year, and move mm -hmm. forward with that rather than shifting focus every six weeks or every day yeah, or every day. <laughs> which I've, I've been a situation that uh that's that that's absolutely crazy situation it happens yeah this brings up this question where i'm curious what your thoughts are on when a company or team is ready to start doing 
expert driven content or maybe it's like a dumb question where like you can do it from the very beginning of your company where like you focus on expert driven uh, content and that's all you focus on, especially with like, you know, people in SEO have been talking a lot about how things will change for, for SEO and like, yeah, that question, I'm just curious what your thoughts are and takes on that. When is it the right time to start focusing on driven content? Yeah, this might sound self-serving, but I think as early as possible, going back to mm-hmm. what we were saying at the beginning, like thought leadership is not having this, like some line in the sand that you're trying to be grandiose about. It's just sharing what you see in the market or what you see in your product or what you see users doing or what you're working on. That can all be thought leadership, right? I think it depends on levels of priority. Again, we're not an SEO agency, but I do think there are instances where it does make a lot more sense to start with SEO because you're going to it's just a lot more direct and it's not about brand building or building trust necessarily. It's just about getting visitors and leads from that organic channel. Right. But I think ideally you can do both. And, um, I think maybe the best example I can think of is expert driven content internally very early is lavender will and will the two wills Mm. co-founders there. Yeah. I mean, they. it's been a few years now. They just, like, 90% of the time, what they're talking about is cold email. How do I send better cold emails? Mm-hmm. And they are so good at talking about it and have such unique insights because of their own experience and because of their product. Right. And I think they're just, like, known as the cold email team now, even as they brought on um, more content folks. It's just helped their not just yeah. their brand, but their demand, at least from what I can tell from the outside. That makes sense when the founders are like experts in that space because they can really like like position their company and themselves as like, hey, you know, yeah. like like this example, like we are the experts on this. And if you're thinking about this topic, there is no other place to take a look at it, essentially, is, yeah. is what that example shows. Exactly. I, yeah, I love talking to either technical founders or somebody who has deep experience in the target audience they're selling into. Those aren't necessarily always the same thing, but it just brings another layer of level of depth. I know you were talking a little bit about SEO. Um, I'm curious what your take is on on that. What is hap- what's going to, you know, do you, do you have any takes on AI and content and SEO? And maybe like maybe more self-serving around like why content might be more important in the future, and why people should be thinking about. It. But I'm curious, like you're see you're, you've been in in knee, like neck deep in content for so many years, and you 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 must have a position on like hey, uh, SEO and AI like and then content like what is your take on that? Yeah, you're gonna hear me workshopping this because I'm still trying to figure out. That's cool. The right answer that doesn't sounds self-serving or like head in the sand this is this is not happening because mm. look i i mean i've been in content for like 10 years the first mm. five of that was pretty much all seo so i i know seo and i get its value and i get right. that you can get pretty quick results with it like two startups ago you know we went from basically zero traffic to like fifteen thousand. 
And it just, because we are a self-service tool with a pretty low price point, it just helped grow the revenue so quickly. And that was almost all SEO with a little bit of dabbling in organic social. Anyway, so I get its value. I don't know. So from the, the client perspective, I think it will continue to be valuable because hmm. I don't, even if, even if search is replaced with a borrowed response, like Google's, <laughs> Google's an ad business. So they're going to figure out right. like, how to show ads. Yeah. How to show ads, which is not the same thing as SEO, but mm. like, I don't think it's going away anytime soon completely. So I think it's still worth investing in. That yeah. said, I don't think it's as worth investing as people think if you're at yeah. a certain if deal size or selling to a certain audience. Like CTOs are not Googling how to integrate X with Y. Like they're having these much right. higher level conversations with other CTOs and CIOs about what's happening with this and that, right? So why not yeah. figure out how to tap into to that element? So that's kind yeah. of where, where I'm at. You know, it totally makes that totally makes sense. I think that you're that is like definitely like investing in it into it in the future. Like maybe it makes sense. Um, I, but I'm very I'm actually very bullish on more expert driven stuff that is shared outside of search. Uh, you're talking about that CIO, but like even now, like Eric, Eric, our VP of marketing at AppKeys would like share some articles from like like some other people or or Kevin Indig or from from other places, and that is hard to measure. That dark people call it dark dark social, but yeah. expert driven content. Walker here. Expert <laughs> driven content is like prime for dark social. Exactly. Would you say? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, that's the, I mean, it's not as measurable or is it measurable, but that's the goal. Like if you could, if, if a team is sharing your content around in a Slack channel or if a, you know, CTO is forwarding an email or sharing it on social, like that's, that's showing that it's impactful and that it's sticky. Yeah. Cause they're also talking about a lot of stakeholders and a long deal cycle for these types of products. So you want, you need it to be sticky. You're not going to get a, 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 a CEO or a CMO or a CTO or a VP of data engineering to land on an article after Googling something and convert. That. Mm. You have to build trust and then retarget and pass the sales so that they can follow up on what they read and dig into a deeper conversation, ideally face to face, or at least on a call, like just make it really relevant and sticky and long-term. Yeah, that makes sense. I really love that. Uh, and then the other thing that's top of mind is how you measure this is totally different from SEO content. Like I imagine SEO content is like organic traffic and then like conversion, because especially if you have a product that's low price. I'm curious like how your uh, your team is like measuring the success of this. Is it like how the sales team is using this or CS? Or how it's uh, enabling sales cycle, or or is it something something else that you're you're looking at? Yeah, hey, can I just real quick share pet peeve? I really oh. you you added conversions, but I think often people to think about SEO as like traffic, mm. but I feel like that's such a vanity metric for totally. for SEO. 
because of what you said, conversion, also what is engagement on the page, which now Google mm. provides that. They have engaged sessions, which is awesome. Um, bounce rate. I mean, we had a client last year, or a couple years ago, that they brought us on to increase their traffic, which was already at for 30 or 40,000 hits a month. And we were trying to get that up. But we then we jumped in and I dug into their metrics. Their bounce rate was at like 80, 85%. And I'm like, look, you have a ton of content (laughs) up here. Your bounce rate is the highest I've ever seen. Let's dig into that first. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that was not your question, but no, let's dig into that. A little pet peeve that I, that makes sense. Yeah. uh, For measuring what, what we do and, and, thought leadership, quote unquote, or expert driven content. It sounds like a cop out, but well, the way we talk through it with our clients and, and prospects is, look, it depends on what you do with it. Going back mm-hmm. to what I said about our ideal is at least a handful of the pieces we're producing each month can be used by a lot of different teams on a lot of different yeah. channels in a lot of different ways. So this is not like one metric we're looking for, like number of downloads on a gated asset we're looking at the lift to your organic impressions. We're looking at um, like conversion rate. If you have a, a content offer versus a sales related offer for paid for paid search and social, we're looking at feedback from customer success and sales and how using those assets are going. Um, there's just a lot of different ways to measure it when you're creating something that ideally sits at the center of your public voice rather than just being a tiny little piece of it. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. I think you're, we've been talking about that quite a bit around like enabling, uh, making that the central piece of mm-hmm. uh, helping the whole other pieces of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gave the example with Lavender. I'm curious if there's any other examples that you can give up, maybe even some of the work that your team has done uh, in terms of like examples that we can, that I can share around content. Yeah, what's the best one here? As we work with a an analytics company, a product, <clears throat> and I feel like we've done this. They're fully bought in and have fantastic ideas. So I just don't say like we did this, but we've been able to work on things with them that I think get at this concept. So for example, one thing we worked on with is they had their annual event which usually would just kind of live there. Like this is for uh, customers and bottom funnel prospects and we're just leaving it as the live event. But they shared so much from that. They shared like all the scripts and the recordings and the customers that shared. And we were able to take that one day event and turn it into so many different assets. Um, Like we created... Uh, guides out of it we created article it just like got so much out of one day because they put so much planning into it why does it have to stop there like nobody needs to know that this guide came from a keynote at the at the annual event like it's still great content and and insights right we also did a a series with them um called like x on x which we've been able to do with quite a few clients it's really fun we basically in this case sat down with five of their marketers Demand gen, uh, product-led growth, ding, ding, ding. Um, uh, their marketing operations, all these different roles. And it was basically how I, as a director of demand gen, use my product for demand gen. 
and mm. then product led growth and then marketing operations because it's analytics. So they were getting yeah. all these insights and turned it into a ghost written piece that was from their perspective. It was super tactical, like step by step without being very product heavy, like it wasn't product marketing. And then we were able to take all five and then wrap it up into what they were able to gate as an asset of like five ways to use X for marketing from the brand perspective. So we just got, it was five 45 minute conversations and we got so much lift out of that. Mm. That is such a good, good way to put it. Uh, I love, is that, is that, is that a case study on the beam side if possible or like anywhere I can like link that in the description? All right. Okay. It's not, I, it should be, they're up for renewal in a couple months. So that might be coming down the pipe. <laughs> Hopefully. That's awesome though. That's good to hear. This is something that, um, other, other people can apply this expert driven content is, it's just, you know, why, why just do the, you know, you can repurpose a bunch of, uh, you know, events or things like that, that can really highlight experts internally and externally within your content as, as quotes, as, um, you know, even mm -hmm. maybe for social or other things like that, essentially. It's what, mm -hmm. what I've heard here so far. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that's kind of the piece, I guess, that we didn't really get into, but that that example makes me think of is there's so much more cross-pollination when you do this because mm. you can take one interview and A, use it so many different ways and B, use it for more ideation mm. and creative space yeah. of, oh, maybe we should dig into this deeper, you know? Mm. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing sharing this uh, all about export driven content. I want to shift gears and talk about career power ups. You mentioned we've been already talking about like how long you've been content marketing for over over a decade. I'm curious, something that's what's something that's helped you kind of accelerate your career or your business uh, and take it to the next level. And it could be a soft skill, or networking, or being nice to people, or being kind, or or just reaching out to folks. Or it could be a hard like marketing skill that's helped you accelerate your career? Hmm. I think I, this m might sound negative or positive depending on how you see it, but I think especially early on, what helped me the most was saying, yeah, I can do that when I had hmm. never in my life done that thing before. Because <laughs> I felt, feel the confidence that I can learn how to do it very quickly right. yeah. and then just learning how to do it. I mean, that's how I went from writing to SEO strategy and then mm. right, like doing case studies based off of extensive briefs to running customer interviews. Um, that's how I learned a lot at my in-house jobs over a couple of years. It's just like saying yes for the sake of learning. And then I think you can build those skills. So I think that's a big one. Um, and then I, I will say there isn't, a little self-promo here, but there's an article on our site, an interview with Kyle Lacey on marketing mm. careers. And I don't know that I've been able to adapt it. So don't take it as my advice, but Kyle shared, like, if you can, if, if you can learn effective storytelling, mm. you can do a lot as a marketer. And sometimes that's yeah. writing, sometimes that's branding, sometimes it's internal presentation. It's just like the storytelling element. Um, because we were talking about writing and how important that is for pretty much any marketer, no matter what your role is. And he's like, yeah, writing, but also the, the story and, and telling a compelling story with your writing, with your words, with your conversations. And I really love that. That is awesome. 
Uh, this is the one that says Kali C wants marketers to call it outside of the lines. Is that the one? That's the one. Yeah. I will link it in the chat, in the description and show awesome. notes, but super cool. Uh, around like, yes, saying yes. I feel like also saying yes kind of reaffirms that you can. I believe it's Yoda who said like, don't mm. try. Don't say try. Well, I'm butchering. I'm sorry to all my Star Wars people. <laughs> don't say you try, just do it. <laughs> That's definitely not how he said it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't say you'll try, just do it. Yoda. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you're you saying yes kind of reaffirms in the back of your mind that yes, you can do it versus like maybe kind of like, you know, there's um, when you say maybe uh, it, there's that seed of doubt that makes people stop, you know, and like, hey, maybe I can't do it. So I love to just say yes, especially early on. Uh, and it, sorry, I know it's, this is like rapid fire-ish, but like, I think it helps you narrow in on what you really love doing and what's right. like, eh, that's not for me. Yeah. Like I, this is a little skewed because I was a freelancer. So this is maybe more freelancer advice, but I, I had a write-up where I said like freelancing is saying yes, 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 yes. No, no. Yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. And you're like slowly moving from saying yes to everything to saying no to most things and saying yes only to the things that you really enjoy and give you that that creative spark. That's true. That makes a a ton of... I feel like you're also... We haven't really talked about how good you are. We're like posting up tweets on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you spend like a few hours a day like creating those... Those content like, <laughs> or like, do you spend like an hour at the beginning of the week, like, just to put this all together? Or like, what is, I what don't, is, it? I have, or it just hits you, you're in your shower or walking with your family, like, this is a great tweet. Put it in my bank. 100% more on that end, which I don't know if is a good thing or a bad thing. But yeah, I have people ask me about content strategy or social strategy. I have zero. I just like post shit. Post what I want, when I want, and here we are. And it's like, sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. My favorite is when I think something's really funny and I'm cracking myself up and it just falls flat. And then there's something you that like, the, yeah, that I'm like, yeah, what is this? Is and okay. it just takes off. Or when, like, there's a, a really in-depth write-up. It is the one of the few times I sit down and spend 30, 30 40 minutes writing out a post. And it's just like... There's some engagement, yeah. But then it's the stupidest thing that I think of the sh- in the shower, like you said, and it just goes viral. I'm like, what is this? It feels like a video game sometimes. That's so funny. <laughs> it is definitely like it's like you, fi- you think you figure out the algorithm, and then it's like no, you have. <laughs> That's yeah, really is. That's super cool though. But like, I just I, I'm gonna tell you people to follow you all LinkedIn on Twitter. But we're not wrapped up yet. Um, just one final question around an advice you would give your younger self, a younger Brooklyn who might be starting out in content marketing, uh, might, you know, just trying to get their feet wet. Who, what would be your advice to that younger version of you? Yeah, you, you, you let me know this question is coming and I still, like, this is like the highest pressure question for some reason. Um, Think for, I don't know how many freelancers listen to your show, but I think I have different answers for it, whether if you're a freelancer or if you're a full-time marketer. I think for freelancers, I would say, or not I would say, I like would have told my younger self, um, 
like get a lot more specific about what you do. It took me way too long. I was just like this generous, like I can write this, I'll do this Mm. for so long. And I think narrowing in on this is what I do, why I do it and who I work with really helped me a enjoy the work a lot more and b if we're being honest get paid better for it Mm. and that combination just makes this whole thing a lot more sustainable um yeah and then the other piece is just talking to more people which is another way of saying networking but not like networking like i'm gonna go to this I get it. happy hour and i'm gonna get business cards or whatever the digital equivalent is now and like follow up it's just like taking like taking time to talk with people like as something i'm so grateful for now is like there are other agency owners that i keep up on keep up with and we will connect every few months there's like other freelancers that we'll do that with um it's just like really enjoyable to get on a call with Hmm. pretty much no agenda they're not trying to sell you something you're not trying to sell them something you're not trying to get something from them you're just like hey what are you running into what are you thinking about? I ran into this weird thing. Uh, that and like past colleagues, keeping up with past colleagues, like somebody I worked with at my previous um, startup, we keep up. And it's just like so enjoyable. It makes this whole yeah. thing better. That's so true. Yeah. I would, I would, even I do that. I meet up with like Andrew Kaplan, like once a, once a month, just to like catch mm-hmm. up with no agenda, just like, hey, how's your podcast? podcast going i feel mm-hmm. like that just opens up a bunch i mean you don't have you don't have to i mean if you could that would be cool but like i'm curious who you keep up who, who do you keep up with that like this has helped you um along this journey like maybe you can even shout shout them out if uh i guess if they're okay with it if not i can cut this part mm. yeah i don't know if i want to name drop if that's all right <laughs> this is totally like some other agency owners. Um, yeah, or maybe like of who would. Yeah, who you, who you would pay, I guess maybe that's helped you in this journey that you, that you were like, hey, I just want these people. Mm. Mm, that's a good question. Um, I can definitely thank my former boss, Colin Campbell at Outreach. Um, I was only in-house for a couple of years, but I got, I went in house after being freelance for so long because I figured there was so much for me to learn. And sure enough, there was. Um, and I learned a ton about other stuff, but Colin really showed me like what a good manager and direct report relationship mm-hmm. looks like and modeled right. that. Um, yeah. So as we're growing our team, like we have folks reporting to me for the first time and it's weird and I'm just figuring it out as I go. And um, yeah, he just showed me what like, empathetic empathetic leadership looks like i had such a fun chat with brooklyn if you want to learn more about brooklyn's work you can go to beamcontent.co or follow him on linkedin and twitter find all those links in the description and show notes thanks to brooklyn for being on the show if you enjoyed this episode you'd love the marketing power-ups newsletter i share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers Go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow 
Marketing Power-Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel like extra generous, kind of leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And leave a comment on YouTube. Goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power-Ups. Thanks to Mary Sullivan for creating the artwork and design. And thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing Power-Ups. Until the next episode...